time together with you guys worshiping in song and prayer and in in um, and in giving and 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 now in reading the word and the preaching of the word together. We are in the sermon series in uh, Acts, and we've come to chapter three today. Uh, we'll do the whole chapter three, and I'll read part of chapter four as uh, just the end also. But we will be reading from chapter three. Uh, maybe just to catch you up before we read chapter three, we have gone through chapter one and two, and that's why we're at chapter three. <laughs> so in, in one, Jesus uh, says to the disciples, I'm going to the Father. You have to go in and wait for the Holy Spirit to come on you, and then you have the power to witness. Um, Jesus ascends, the disciples are looking, what happened? Um, they wait in Jerusalem, and then uh, the day of Pentecost, the Holy Spirit comes, and uh, Peter gets up and immediately witnesses to all these people, and uh, people speaking other languages are able to witness about the great things God has done. And then um, last week we talked about what did that look like and the, what was our devotion to Jesus, what does that look like. Um, and so now we are, now we continue. And so this is going to show a little bit about how they continued as a fellowship. And so we'll read from chapter 3. So, oh, maybe I'll just explain it. So this is a, a later on in the, in the chapter. This is where they are in Solomon's portico uh, at the temple, and then this is Herod's temple. So they are thinking it is over here somewhere. This is the, maybe the beautiful gates that's also going to be talked about. Um, yeah. So now we now we'll read chapter three together. Can you just change when? Can you just uh, press? No? Okay. Um, now Peter and John were going up to the temple at the hour of prayer, the ninth hour, and a man lame from birth was being carried, whom they laid daily at the gate of the temple that is called Beautiful, asking for alms of those who entered the temple. Seeing Peter and John about to go into the temple, he asked to receive alms. And Peter directed his gaze at him, as did John, and said, Look at us. He fixed, it, he fixed his eyes, he fixed his attention on them, expecting to receive something from them. But Peter said, I have no silver or gold, but what I have I give to you. In the name of Jesus Christ of Nazareth, rise up and walk. And he took him by the, by the right hand and raised him up. And immediately his feet and ankles were made strong. And leaping up, he stood and began to walk and entering the temple with them, walking and leaping and praising God. And all the people saw him walking and praising God and recognized him as the one who sat at the beautiful gate of the temple asking for alms. And they were filled with wonder and amazement at what had happened to him. While he clung to Peter and John, all the people, utterly astonished, ran together to them in the portico called Solomon's. And when Peter saw it, he addressed the people, 
Men of Israel, why do you wonder at this? Or why do you stare at us as though by our own power or piety we have made him walk? The God of Abraham, the God of Isaac, the God of Jacob, and the God of our fathers glorified his servant Jesus, whom he delivered, whom you delivered over and denied in the presence of Pilate when he had decided to release him. But you denied the holy and righteous one and asked for a murderer to be granted to you. And you killed the author of life whom God had raised, whom God from the whom God has raised from the dead, and of this we are witnesses. And his name, by faith in his name, has made this man strong, whom you see and know, and the faith that is through Jesus has given this man his perfect health in the presence of you all. And now, brothers, I know that you acted in ignorance, as did, as did also your rulers. But what God foretold by the mouth of all the prophets, that the Christ would suffer, thus fulfilled. Repent, therefore, and turn back, that your sins may be blotted out, that times of refreshings may come from the presence of the Lord, and that he may send the Christ appointed for you, Jesus, whom heaven must receive until the time of restoring of all things about which God spoke by the mouth of his holy prophets long ago. Moses said, The Lord will raise, will raise up for you a prophet like me from your brothers. You said, Listen to him in whatever he tells you. And it shall be that every soul who does not listen to that prophet shall be destroyed from the people. And all the prophets who have spoken from Samuel and those who came after him also proclaimed these days, You are the sons of the prophets and of the covenants that God made with your fathers, saying to Abraham, and in your offspring shall all the families of the earth be blessed. God having raised up his servant, sent him to you first, to bless you by turning every one of you from your wickedness. This is the word of God. So today we come to, we come to this chapter 3. And what I've tried to do in the book of Acts is that we take one story at a time or we, we take one, one happening at a time. So that's why it gets, sometimes we are reading a lot more because it's like one story um, and then we'll talk about it. So, so what is actually happening here? So we see that all the first people, all the first believers, they're Jews. And they, they continue with their Jewish customs. So they will go, they're now, Peter and John are now going up to the temple at the hour of prayer. So they say, uh, where is it? It's like three o'clock. They go, yeah, three o'clock, they go up to the temple to pray. Um, as they are going, there's this lame man. And he, the, what, well, one of the things that stuck out to me is, is that he's not just a lame man, but he's a lame man who at least has friends that will every day carry him so he can sit there and ask people to give. Now, the Jewish system is so that they should actually give because it's part of the income they should give to the poor. 
So it should actually be a way that he could have an income. But he has, has some friends that are willing to bring him there every day. Later on we got to hear, he's been laden from birth and he's about 40 years old. So this has been his whole life. Just to, okay, so just to put yourself in this man's shoes, he's been lame for 40 years and his all his adult life, he's probably been put there in the morning waiting for somebody to give something to him so that he can sort of provide for himself and have a living. 40 years is a long time. So Peter and John, they're going up into the temple to pray. We've read earlier that the believers would meet in the temple and they would meet in the, meet in the houses. But they're going up to pray at this hour. Then the man sitting at the beautiful gate, he asks uh, Peter and John, hey, could you uh, give me something? Um, and then something really, I think, beautiful happens. And, and I, I've been trying to get us, uh, well, at least my own thinking, and also somebody said, that was uh, another preacher, said, look at how Jesus teaches and how he acts and how he interacts with people and look at how does the disciples then do it and how do they teach also. Maybe also it hits us a little bit because if we see some, well, it doesn't really happen much in Denmark, but... If we are traveling somewhere else and sometimes we see somebody begging, we probably just look the other way and go in to pray. Peter's different. He meets the guy. He actually gets the guy to look at him. Because maybe he's like this, hey, can you give me something? Um, maybe he's not even wanting to look at Peter and John. And then Peter says, look at me. Peter's looking straight at him. He says, look at me. And he's like, oh, wow, great. These people are going to give me something. So Peter and John are looking at him. He fixes his intention on them, expecting to get something. Then Peter says, I don't have silver or gold. That's got to be like, well, thank you. But what I do have, I give to you. In the name of Jesus Christ of Nazareth, rise up and walk. The first people, first Jesus is looking straight in the eye. Then he touches this man. And he lifts him up. Some commentators were saying that's what Jesus did to Peter's mother-in-law. He raised her up and she was well. Then what happens is that as he's raising, as Peter has this, he raises him up. He raises, him, he raises him up and immediately his feet and ankles are strong. And then what a beautiful response. 40 years he's not been able to walk. He, um, his ankles and feet are made strong. He can stand up. As soon as he can stand up, he's like, I'm going to test these things out. He jumps up and he begins to walk and he is going into the temple with them and he's walking, he's jumping up and down and even better, he is praising God for this miracle because he had not been able to walk for 40 years and now Jesus has healed him. 40 years he's not able to move around and now 
not even not only can he walk, he can also jump around, and he is praising God. He he's not like the people who run away. Um, we have the story of the ten lepers, and Jesus heals the ten. The nine he never hears about. <laughs> In nine nine people he never hears about again. But the one comes back. This one, no, no, no. He is praising God. Jumping up and down, and he's clinging. As we read in the next, he's clinging to the disciples. He's like, I need to be with these people, who has helped, and through their words, Jesus has raised me up, and I can walk. And then in nine, the people saw him walking and praising God. They 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 can see it's it's the guy. They can see, we've walked past that guy 30 years. He's been sitting there 30 years. And then, then they're confused. They're like, this is the guy who sits at the beautiful gate, and now he's jumping up and down and praising God because he can walk. What has happened? They're, what? What has happened? And uh, while that happens, uh, Peter, he... Uh, Oh, this is... But then we'll go to the next one. Then the Peter, he grabs the chance like he does on Pentecost. He grabs the chance. They're in Solomon's particle. That's hard to say. They're in Solomon's particle. Uh, and he, gri- he, he, he grabs the chance and he addresses the people. Men of Israel, why are you wondering at this? Why, why do you wonder at this? Why do you stab me, John and me like we did this? Like, uh, like that we had the power to do this or that because we were uh, pious, we could do this. No, no, no. This is, not, this is no new God. This is not something new, uh, not some new weird God or something. No, this is the God of Abraham. This is the God of Isaac. This is the God of Jacob. The God of your fathers. That God glorified Jesus, his servant. We're going to see the same progression as last week. Jesus starts out as a servant and then he becomes God. We see it again. He, it's his, uh, it's his, uh, it's, uh, what do you call it? It's uh, Peter's technique of describing who Jesus is. So he doesn't, he doesn't say, Jesus is God in the beginning. He just says, Jesus is God's servant to begin with. But it goes fast. Um, our God, our Father's God, who's glorified his servant Jesus. And then the bad news starts coming. Whom you delivered and denied in the presence of Pilate. When, you, when he had decided to release him, you denied the Holy and Righteous One. He, the Holy and Righteous One implies that Jesus is God. So he goes from being Jesus, Jesus being a servant to now Jesus is actually God. You asked for a murderer to be granted to you. You killed the author of life, whom God has raised from the dead. This, to this we are witnesses. And how does this man get healed? He got healed in the name of Jesus, in the faith in the name of Jesus. That's what has made this man strong, whom you now see and know. That is faith in Jesus that's given this man perfect health. And you are all witnesses to this. Peter jumps in, he tells the people, we did not do this, Jesus did. 
And you know, and you know Jesus. Because Jesus is the one that you got killed when Pilate said, I don't find any fault in him. Then you started yelling, Barabbas, 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 we want Barabbas to be freed. A killer. You chose a killer over the author of life, the Messiah, the righteous one, the true God. You killed God and wanted a murderer. But the righteous one did not stay dead. He rose again. And again, this is what Jesus said in the chapter 1, is that you will be witnesses. And now Peter is being that witness. Jesus did not stay dead, but he was raised. And he says, of this we are witnesses. You killed God. You killed Jesus, the Holy One. And we are witnesses to this, that he did not stay in a grave, but he was risen from God. You might say that puts us in a kind of not-so-great situation that we chose a murderer over the author of life. Peter is actually really graceful here. In 17 he says... And now, brothers, I know that you acted in ignorance, as did your rulers. He's like, I know that you did not understand what you did. And these words just really echo the words of Jesus on the cross that, Father, forgive them. They know not what they do. 18. But God foretold by the mouth of all the prophets that the Christ would suffer. This is now fulfilled. Repent, therefore, and turn back from your sins, that they might be erased and blotted out, that the times of refreshing may come from the presence of the Lord, that he may send the Christ appointed for you, Jesus, whom heaven, as we talked about last week, he, Jesus ascended into heaven at the right hand of God, and he will come back. So Peter's saying, at this point in time, Jesus must be received by heaven. But the hope here is that Jesus will come back and restore all things like God has said. And then he turns and says, What Moses prophesied in Deuteronomy was that there would be a prophet like him. That you, you need to listen to him. Everybody has to listen to him. Because if you don't, you will be destroyed. So it's good news, like bad news, good news, bad news. You killed the righteous Holy One, but you didn't know what you were doing. You need to repent of that, and then Je Jesus can blot out your sins. And Jesus now at the, at the Father He's going to come back and make everything right. But you did not listen to Jesus. And not listening to Jesus means that you all will be destroyed. Good news, bad news, good news, bad news. Okay. And he continues to explain, And all the prophets who have spoken, from Samuel and those who go after him, claim these days, You are the sons of the prophet and of the covenants. 
that God made with your father saying to Abraham, in your offspring shall all the families of the earth be blessed. God having raised up his servant, sent him to you first to bless you by turning every one of you from your wickedness. You killed Jesus. God raised him up. Repent of that sin and have it blotted out. You didn't listen to Jesus, although Moses said he would come, and you had to listen to, you, to Jesus, or he will destroy you all. Because you didn't listen to the prophets, and you didn't know he was there. God has raised up Jesus, and sent him to you, that you could be blessed by repenting and turning from your wickedness. Two strong warnings to return to God, and God provides both times. Um, as I was just going through these things and thinking, oh man, this is so, this is such beautiful sermons. It's the second you kill Jesus sermon, repent and come back to God. Um, because he's gonna, oh, he he has overlooked your ignorance and is calling you back. It's good. I think it's good for us to remember. It's good to announce to read these, read the Bible, read how Peter talks about Jesus, read about the consequences of our rebellion is that we deserve death, but God provides a way for us in Jesus to have our sins blotted out. Some of the things, so I think some of the themes that was in this one too is, as you look in through, you can see as humans, we have a tendency to choose darkness instead of light. We have the beautiful John 3.16, but then 18th or something what people said or Jesus says I came I came as light but you all ran into darkness because you didn't want the light to expose so these people also here they choose death they choose a murderer what is our tendencies to choose we can see they choose their own understanding of the tradition they, they're, they're, they have such a hard time seeing the suffering servant in the Old Testament because they really want the warrior king. They really want the conquering king. So they overlook the scriptures where it says that the Messiah was going to come and suffer and die. Is that some of the things that we have a tendency to do as well? Blot out all the passages of scripture that are hard for us or challenging for us. Most of the time, I think this one can hit us all, is that we choose power over weakness. We choose to go with uh, Romans, authorities, instead of a humble servant. We choose to act in our strength instead of coming to God within our weakness. We choose to solve all of our problems and our last resort is prayer. 
where maybe in our weakness we could have come in prayer first. When we come to the scriptures, sometimes we insert our own meaning instead of humbly coming to the scriptures and listening to the word of God. We can choose to trust our money. Well, if I just have no money, I'll be okay. We can, there was somebody who said, and it was really striking and really strange, said, well, it was a, he, was, he was talking about comfort, and he said, well, why would we ever want to do anything that's not comfortable? We have all chosen, we all choose to, uh, we all choose paths in our lives so we will be most comfortable. And it's just so provoking to me because I don't think that's what our lives are about. <laughs> it's not about getting the most comfortable ever, and then it just seems to be so opposite of what we see Jesus do. But I think that might be a tendency in us if we are trusting in, for instance, our money or our comfort. Or some of us would would say we, well, I could. We would say God's all powerful, but we would try to control all things in our lives. So we chose we choose that over the power of God in us. And by this Holy Spirit, we choose our own ability to control over the Holy Spirit's power in us. And some people would object to, object to, they would object to the text and say, "Well, I'm not really that bad of a person, so, so I, I don't necessarily think that this applies to me. That because you're saying that." I kind of killed Jesus with my rebellion against God. Um, so I don't know. I don't think I'm really that bad of a person. Well, that, that I think that shows that you don't know who God is and that, that, you're, that if that's a true thing, then your heart is highly elevated and proud against who, who God really is. And you don't know, understand how holy he is and how much you have offended the Lord of all things. Um, so that's something just to consider thinking about. Even if we go like, well, I actually deserve this. Well, you know, we see in God how graceful he is that he provides a way. Not that we have deserved that. Then other people would say, well, I don't really need Jesus because I've heard there are many ways to God. And so uh, some people say, Do you know, it's like a mountain and we can climb up. <laughs> it's like a mountain. We can find many ways up the mountain. And, and over and over in, in Scripture, Jesus himself says, no, there is only one way. I am the way. I am the gates. There is only one way. Moses said the same here. We hear the we hear the we, we hear the quotation from Deuteronomy. No, no, no. You gotta you gotta listen to this name, and if you don't, you'll be destroyed. So no, there is not tons of ways to get to know God. No, our only way to get to understand who we, God really is is Jesus. And so people can come up with all sorts of explanations about all sorts of things, but. Over and over again, Jesus himself, his followers, and God 
Moses says, no, no, there is one way through the Christ, through the righteous one, through the Holy One. Um, and maybe then we have, a, and I'm just thankful for many people praying, and it's like, um, and also a little bit where this stranded as, a, as Israel, as a nation, also stranded, well, you have to be separate, but you have to be separate so you could show God to everyone. And so even this message of reconciliation and all these things that they had, you had the prophets, you had the covenants, that was all so you could be a blessing to everyone. And here it's also quotes and says, and in your offspring, all the families of the earth shall be blessed. So how do we feel about sharing the amazing hope and mercy and grace that God has bestowed upon us? We have to remember that this is not just good news for us. As the Holy Spirit leads us and in Christ we share this great message with everybody else. Because that's their only hope as well as it is for us. So we're asked to be the bearers of this good news to other people. That they can have their sins blotted out. That they won't be destroyed. But there is a graceful God who despite our own efforts comes and makes a way for us so that we can be saved and be with Him. And the great hope, and the great hope that also talks about here that, and, and many people have objections to this because why can there be a good God, a holy God, when there's bad thing that happens? Well, the, also the solution is also here where He says, well, there's going to be a time where Jesus is taken up and He's going to come back and at that point, everything will be made renewed. Everything will be made right. And just before we end, I just want to read the passage. Um, this is the passage from Deuteronomy. Um, I want to read this passage because how does it go? Like, how does it go? I mean, if, uh, if you preach two sermons, how many gets to know Jesus? Well, a lot. <laughs> so his first sermon around three thousand, uh, second sermon um, five thousand, um, and they were speaking to the people, and the, not everybody's happy. You can see here, and the priests and the captain of the temple and the Sadducees came upon them, greatly annoyed, and people uh, uh, greatly annoyed because they were teaching the people and proclaiming. In Jesus, the resurrection from the dead. They got arrested and put them in custody until the next day because it was already evening. So he's been talking a long time with these people. But for many of those who have heard the word believed, and the number of men came to about 5,000. 5,000 people received this news that they can have their sins blotted out. They believe that Jesus is the Messiah. And that he was raised up. Now the things start getting a little more dicey for the disciples. Because now they're arrested or in jail. And then we'll, we'll leave them there until next week. And continue from there. Um, but as, we, as we've been going through. All the things Jesus said. Is being fulfilled. We're seeing. That he gives them the ability. To witness their ability to witness 
about what Jesus has taught them as they walk with Him. Uh, the Holy Spirit is now enabling them to explain these things, uh, enabling them to say, no, no, this is who Jesus is. And although you have, you were a part of killing Jesus, there is now hope and joy in repenting and turning to Jesus as your Lord and Savior. Um, great responses from many, many people. Um, so we all like that, but now they're going to go to jail. And then we have to see next week how it goes in there. Um, but as my hope is, has been for this sermon series, that we would be um, more and more aware that God has given us everything we need to live this life with Him here. That He actually gives us the power through His Holy Spirit to be reminded um, about what to say and what to do so that more people will get to know who Jesus is. To share this great hope that we have um, with our fellow people. To treat people like Jesus treated people. Looking people in the eyes. Touching people, which we're not allowed to uh, at this point. Uh, but seeing people. So really seeing people. And sharing that love and that encouragement. That through that Jesus, that we can have true life. And have all sins forgiven. And have eternal life in it. So that was my encouragement for you today. Um, and let us pray. Heavenly Father, thank you. <laughs> thank you right now the sun is shining. Um, thank you we can see a rainbow on the way. Um, that you, God, you're a good and gracious king. Um, you're an amazing God that although we have rebelled against you, you provide a way for us through your son Jesus and we're just, we're so thankful. Even the rainbow reminds us of your mercy and grace towards us. That although we deserve to be destroyed for our sin, you said that you wouldn't do that by water anymore. Through your son Jesus, you make a way for us and anybody who you call to have their sins blotted out and have new life in you. Lord, we thank you so much. Thank you for recording these things for us so we have them in, your, in the Bible. Thank you, Holy Spirit, to remind us these things again and again. That although we deserve so much worse, you can, we can be adopted into your family. And have fellowship with you. Um, to praise you for who you are. Not having to praise yourself, but we can praise you, trust you, be encouraged by you, worship you. So Lord, we're thankful. And we just thank you. We thank you or I thank you so much for that. Lord, I continue to pray that through this series you would continue to reveal more of who you are. That we would walk day by day more and more devoted to who you are, Jesus. Um, enable us to have that power of boldness and courage to share this amazingly good news. And we pray you get all the glory and honor for that. That it's your work in us, as Peter and John said. We didn't do this. Jesus did it. May that be our longing and joy. And make us a blessing here where we are. We ask in Jesus' name. Amen.